Hi, all our buddies, and welcome to another episode of Semi-Auto Magic Inc. The pause you heard was because we weren't sure who was introducing the episode. (laughs) I am, once again, privileged to be your DM, Casey H. And that's all. That's it. There's no one else here. It's just There's me. nobody else in this room. It is Casey by himself doing all the voices. Yep, and I can, I can, I'm pretty damn good at it because that one was awesome. <laughs> it sounded just like Dylan. It did. Who? It sounds just like Anthony, which yep. is crazy too. I hear that this Casey man can even do a, a woman's voice. Yeah, he's pretty good at it. Whoa. Even a who has a very scratchy voice. I would like the record to show that I did lip sync that as it was happening. <laughs> of course. So we've got the regular crew here. We've got Dylan, we have got Phony, we have got Jackie, we have got Denmark, J Cat, celebrated local cat, lurking around my ankles, providing moral support and an auxiliary character if ever we need someone whose aspects are all just awesome. Okay, last time on this semi automagic ink. Our heroes feels like a stretch. I'm going to say protagonists. Um, <laughs> met at local institution Magic Beans. Yeah. Uh, wherein it was discovered that some tiny somebody had been making off with Magic Beans beans. And also that they made platinum spoons to put into babies' mouths. And also that your last memory of the perfect summer you spent with your family by the lake has a quantifiable money value. What's the word I was looking for? Monetary. That's the one. I need to be better at language. Okay. Um, so... About half of that was accurate. (laughs) (laughs) What? What was, what was less than accurate, Dylan? Uh, the platinum spoon thing? Yeah, no, I thought we were <laughs> platinum. Anyway. platinum spoons, alright. Platinum spoons. So, two representatives from the We Free Men um, made a plea for support to Fiona and Magic Bean, which they won, by the way, so patronage, hooray. Um, Solomon and Rowan took a look at the bounty board and discovered that a young upstart warlock who thought that his daddy's money made him better than everybody else had been causing some trouble on the rich side of town and that a visit to Sketchy Dave's Information Emporium was in order. Uh, the gang, if I recall left Magic Beans in the hands of Captenant Bicker and uh, and Cornflower, rank unknown, of the army of the Wee Free Men, and then set off. Um, Rowan did so- Not Rowan, I apologize. Solomon did something really cool with a feather and a message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was neat. I, I can't wait to see how that, uh, how that plays out. Okay, so it is later that same evening. And you guys are walking the streets of Twilight Portland. Tell me what you do. Tell me what you see. Tell me what's going on. What's in your hearts, you guys? I want my gun back. Oh, that also happened. <laughs> my gun now. It's not your gun. It's my gun. I have ownership over it. I have the license for it. You don't have a license for a gun. I don't know. It's in my pocket. Possession is traditionally nine-tenths of the law. There you go. Nine Fiona. Tenths. Yes. Rowan has gone back. 
What? Give Rowan his gun back. He needs but it. Do you need it? I need it. How bad do you need it? Really badly. What's it worth to you? Me not killing you. Well, as I have the gun, I think you're going to find that a little hard. It's not my only gun, but it's my favorite gun. <laughs> Fiona. He did not lose possession of the, of, of, of the weapon simply because it was knocked out of his hands. You can't just take a person's thing. That's not what Faye do. You know, you're, you're not at your coffee shop. I can go right back and claim it as my own. Fine, take your gun. Thank you. Uh, in, in, in point of fact, Rowan, you would meet with considerable resistance from the enthusiastic representatives of the We Free Men. I think I can handle them. Oh, okay. Well, you think all you like, buddy. They actually have incredible <laughs> stats. <laughs> yep. And he had a stick. Oh, wow. Yeah. stick. Alright, so you guys have met with Sketchy Dave in the past. Uh, you aspire one day to meet his older brother, Risky Dave, but alas, you have not yet reached that level <laughs> of, uh, of underworld savvy. Risky Sketchy Dave. Risky Sketchy Dave's. Um... So, yes, tell me how you guys uh, normally go about getting into contact with this representative of uh, Portland's colorful, well-intentioned, gluten-free underworld. I imagine he hangs out in an alley near a school. Yeah. That's creepy. That's incredibly creepy. <laughs> it's pretty sketchy. That's <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> If you guys hadn't come up with anything, honestly, I was just going to have him run an art supply store. <laughs> well. Because he's sketchy, Dave. Ah. Uh, You're a bad human. It's true. It's always been true. <laughs> okay. So you guys head towards, um, we'll say it's uh, Public School 266. Okay. PS 266. PS 266. Good old PS 266. If you don't like it, you can hit the bricks. Ah, it's what that's... they say. It's what they say there. They've got a lot of civic pride. Um, what's that? Good for them. Yeah, no, it's it's a rare thing these days. Yeah. Uh, you stroll through Portland's streets. They are beautiful. They are old. They are verdant. And as you do, you all, Fiona and Rowan especially, Byron, if he's turning on his wizard senses, but if not, then not, get a wash of the strange magical energy that has been filling the city of late. It's not menacing. It's not even entirely unpleasant. It's just that the natural energy of the place has been amping up slowly but steadily, resulting in a number of strange occurrences, much like the uh, young upstart warlock that you have now been hired to put in his place. His place, of course, being a back room in an undisclosed location with several men who probably intend him harm. So what's the evening like? What do you guys see? Tell me about your world. Slightly cloudy. Um, the moon's bright enough to light our path so that we don't need to use a flashlight or anything to see where we're going. Sure. There are old, old-style street lamps... Uh, lining the 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 sidewalks, the kind that look like actual lanterns. Right. Yes. Yeah, I like those. But I but do. with very energy conscious bulbs. 
Well, of course, yeah. The the low flow equivalent of light bulbs. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that are actually pretty inefficient lighting wise. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're more energy efficient in that they don't light up. <laughs> God bless Portland. How about Rowan? How does Rowan feel about the city in which he lives? Because like he's this rough and tumble mercenary type, but also there are uh, locally sourced barbecue sauces and community supported art festivals everywhere. So how does he feel about Portland? I love their beard oil. There you go. You see, Rowan seems like a sandalwood man to me. What? Ro- Rowan seems like he would enjoy sandalwood beard oil. Absolutely. Right on. Reminds me of home. Oh, that's intriguing. Okay, so you all stroll in the direction of PS266. Nobody gets any weird looks. It's Portland. You guys are actually uh, known a little bit. A couple people nod in recognition of the owner of uh, Magic Beans. (sighs) PS266 looms in the distance. You approach. An alley rests to your left. I head down the alley. Okay. I let Rowan go first. I have <laughs> my gun, and I'm kind of skulking in the shadows, you know, sure. not not being seen, but making my presence known. Does that make sense? Sure. You're walking cautiously. Yeah. Okay. About halfway down the alley, the school actually uh, abuts an old apartment building that has since been renovated into a number of storefronts. Uh, on one wall, the school wall, someone has uh, chalked a large cartoonish sign, like the kind Wiley Coyote would hold. And upon this sign is written... Uh, Ring here for Sketchy Dave. And someone has drawn a little cartoon doorbell just below it in chalk. I ring the doorbell. You went down the alley, Fiona? Yes. Cool. Not very carefully. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what up, alley? Okay. You uh, press the chalk doorbell, and at first nothing happens. You You look around in... Not confusion, exactly, because you didn't know what you expected, pressing a chalk doorbell. And then from behind you, you hear, Ding-a-ling! <laughs> <laughs> gets him, gets him, gets him every time. Hi, everybody. It's me, Sketchy Dave. What can I do for you on this fine evening? Sketchy Dave. It's me! Here's Rowan. Here's Fiona. Here is Solomon Byron, a man of such high standing in the community. Come here to my humble alley. I feel blessed. Okay, okay, just shut up, please. You come to my alley and tell me to shut up. This is his alley. Get out of my alley, sir. I leave the Get alley. out. Don't narrate. Get out. All right. Very good. <laughs> you two seem pleasant. What can I do for you? We're tracking down a warlock. Mr. Monday has information about him. He sure does, and I think I might know just the gentleman to whom you refer. Tell me, does this boy live deep in his daddy's wallet? Yes. Okay. All right, give me one second. Let me me consult with my secretary. He turns to a raccoon perched on top of a trash can. Diane, 
the uh, raccoon chitters. First, the secretary's name is Diane. The raccoon uh, chitters back at him. He says, Diane, do we have any information on the Preston boy? All right, Diane, why don't you give me the whole file? These people here are working under a real deadline, it seems, and I think our professionalism behooves us to aid them in a timely manner. Diane, you're never going to get that raise if you just slug about. Diane, uh, looking ashamed of herself and her performance. Her performance review did not go well, you guys. She uh, immediately dives into the trash can. Uh, You hear some scuffling about while her adorable ringed tail pokes over the rim. Uh, She emerges holding a... uh, a, a dirty, smeared piece of loose-leaf paper. She she hands it to Sketchy Dave, who takes it with great aplomb. Thank you, Diane. So he turns to you guys and says, Here's everything I've got on this Preston boy. Doesn't seem like much. Well, how much do you need to get the job done, Solomon? More than a dirty piece of paper, I'm afraid. No, that's not this it. piece of paper. This piece of paper could list every secret weakness he has. It could list the movies he cries at. What if, at a critical juncture, you need to mention Seabiscuit, and you didn't know? This paper holds none of that information, does it? You don't know, you don't know that. You don't know what this paper holds. All I know is that it has mystery information, and that my palm will require greasing in order to hand it over. He, he unfolds his entire arm like uh, one of those noisemakers you used to have at a party when you were little to kind of curl up. <laughs> and he, uh, he, just, he just holds his hand out as if expecting a tip or possibly some skin to be slipped him. I think you've got enough grease on that piece of paper. Well, that's just rude. I go back to the alley. <laughs> <laughs> you have heard a lot of noise coming from this alley. You heard some <laughs> raccoon sounds? Um... You heard someone talking about getting a promotion, and uh, and then you heard the name Preston mentioned. So Sketchy... you see these. Go ahead, Sketchy Dave. Yes, sir. You realize I'm a wizard of the White Council. That is awesome. I am Sketchy Dave. You can never be that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I thought until I took the title from the previous Sketchy Dave. But I don't think you could take it from me. I could take it from you. Yeah, I would like to see you try, sir. Pull out my gun at him. (laughs) You can't shoot a title out of me. I can shoot you and kill you and steal your title. Yeah, and I will die Sketchy Dave. That means I win. No, because I become Sketchy Dave. And then you lose who you are. That's fine. I don't like who I am. Aw. That's sad. You know what? Just for that, I'm going to give you guys a pity discount. Here, you guys can have this one on the house. And uh, I think Diane... Might have a little something left over for you guys. Diane, do we still have any leftovers from the office party? <laughs> she dives in. She emerges with uh, a paper plate covered in some chewed on like cheese cubes and salami slices. Thanks, no thanks. Sir. I leave Sketchy the Dave. alley. Disgusting. Diane is profoundly insulted. She stands there holding out the wonderful hors d'oeuvres, looking at you with her soulful raccoon eyes. You guys are insulting Diane. Why don't you eat it then, Fiona? I have already eaten my dinner. I take the paper this and I leave the alley. Disturbs. Well, you can't have orders after dinner. Says who? The French. <laughs> Solomon, you exit the alley, paper I in hand. Sure do. 
Yes. Uh, it lists some preliminary information, uh, a small, thin dossier on one Theodore Preston the Sixth. You he... monster. What? He is a student at um, at Milwaukee Heights Preparatory School. Uh-huh. And that is uh, Milwaukee with two E's. Spell it right. Milwaukee Heights Prep. Um, his father is a lumber magnate. Theodore Preston the, the fifth, obviously. Uh-huh. Yeah. And according to the dossier, according to the information that Sketchy Dave had available, this boy has been manifesting some powers that lie on the more manipulative, mental, invasive side rather than the set-fire-to-it side. He has been uh, altering the minds of his teachers in order to reflect that he has been passing his classes. He has been altering the minds of his parents to, you know, basically get whatever he wanted, which is kind of unnecessary because he's a pretty archetypal, rich, spoiled boy anyway, but it seems like it was more an exercise in power than anything and he's basically been running amok with his newly found abilities. Okay. When will these kids ever learn? Sure, you know, it's it's fun to get good grades. <laughs> Eventually you find yourself in a dark alley, some guy drooling on the ground because you poked into his brain one too many times. And that's why I dropped out of high school. I would also like to... Uh say that it makes me really happy to picture Rowan in a series of, like, inspirational poster materials, just like, it's fun to get good grades, Rowan. It's fun to get good grades until you apparently wind up in an alley with an unconscious, drooling man. Exactly. What the hell happened to you? That's, uh, classified information. Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> so... You have his address, the Palatial Preston Manor in uh, Milwaukee Heights, which is a very prestigious, very exclusive, upscale neighborhood. And uh, you know that... Hey, what time of year is it, you guys? I mean, it's summer, right? Sure. sure. Okay. So uh, he probably is not in school. What do you guys want to do? Find him and slap the shit out of him. Ooh. How do you begin going about doing that? The story is in your hands, people. Uh, I am going to... Uh, 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 the, the first thing I want to do is return to the Westfield Carter Hotel. Okay. Do you guys follow? No. Where do you go, Rowan? I... I don't go to the... I don't like... I don't like the... I don't like a majority of the White Council... Sure. Because Rowan, they see me as the wizard killer and not not necessarily but they they kind of see me as a bad guy even though I'm doing dirty work that they are doing. Sure. They don't they don't they only only know me as uh, wizard killer. Not right. As... They're the to- you are the tool that they don't like admitting to using. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, we will uh get to where you went shortly then. Uh, Fiona, what about you? You going with Solomon? You going with uh, Rowan? You heading back to Magic Beans? Who knows? What's up? I'll go with Solomon. Why not? Solomon, Fiona yes. joins your party. Great. Ba, 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 ba. I, I myself along. Yeah. 
isn't that one of your isn't that one of your aspects? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I've got uh, uninvited guest. Yeah, uninvited guest. Absolutely. When did um, you get I here? Tell, I tell I'm always here. Solomon to to meet me back at the Then tell him. Magic bean. I'm meet me at back at the the magic bean uh once you finish talking to your white council buddies. Turn up anything you can about the Preston family. I will. I'm going to I'm going to go to a few of my uh, information people that sure. I know around the city and see what I can pull up. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, they're at the the hotel. That's what I'm going to be doing. Okay. Sounds good. Well, you guys split up, and it's only the second episode, so well done there. <laughs> And head off in what I'm going to say are thematically opposite directions. Uh, Fiona and Solomon, mm-hmm. you walk across. Do you guys walk, I assume? Yeah. Catch the you bus, don't... maybe. Oh, I like that. Okay. You're standing, you approach a bus stop. There is a schedule posted. You notice that the next bus across town to the Westfield Carter Hotel is not due to arrive for another few minutes. A silence pervades the air as you seat yourselves upon the immaculately maintained public bench. Come here often? Not especially. Risky Dave, Sketchy Dave. Risky Sketchy Dave is not uh, my general uh, company. He's kind of gross. He's... He's all manner of disgusting on many levels. But he is a gateway to information. You really think this kid's serious business? If he's wandering around in the minds of other people, he poses a greater threat than most wayward warlocks. Most of them maybe get off a fireball or two. We put out the fires. It's not a big deal. Somebody running around Messing with people's minds. Much harder to track. Much harder to prove. Do we really need to prove anything, though, or do we just need to shut him up? I have a duty to serve justice. Alright. You're the boss. Damn Skippy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The bus pulls up. It, uh, It fooshes to a halt before you, as only buses can. From the background, you hear, Good night, Diane! You did good work tonight! And uh, a tiny raccoon with a tiny purse slung across her shoulder approaches the uh, the bus stand <laughs> next to you. She, no- she nods politely, and then, uh, without stopping or slowing, uh, gets on the bus and immediately heads to what is apparently her usual seat. I follow the raccoon onto the bus. Favorite quote ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you two get on the bus. It is a nice bus because Portland cares about its public transportation. Uh, you sit down. The bus captain uh, announces that you will arrive at your destination in a reasonable amount of time, and you take off into the lovely evening. Rowan! Yes? What's up with you, friend? I think I'm going to the museum. Ooh, I like that. Okay. The Museum of Note-Checking. 
Strange yes. History? Uh, Museum of Weird History. Ah. Absolutely. Or, or, or Strange History. It's, it's a Portland thing that it changes its name every couple of months, and uh, nobody, nobody much bothers to learn a new one until it's been around for a while. Yes, you approach... Tell me about this building. It is weirdly shaped sure. and painted random colors. Nice. In order to reflect its its patchwork history of global strangeness. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, you approach. Uh, its lights are on. The museum is clearly very much open. Uh, it's it's not open all night exactly, but it's summer. So, you know, you got to take the kids somewhere. There are people out. It's a lovely evening. And if people are walking along with an ice cream of an evening, why won't they dip into the Museum of Weird History? So you approach and you see some adverts for existing and upcoming exhibits, such as investigating the Tunguska incident and the two-headed dogs of Soviet Russia. <laughs> you enter into the, uh, I suppose it would be the narthex, and here the a, what? The, uh, the narthex. Well, it's a it's a ch- church turn. That's where you enter a church. I thought it would be the same for a museum. I don't know. Um, you enter the foyer. Sure. Mm-hmm. There we go. You enter the foyer of the museum and are enveloped in a warm relatively homey but still academic atmosphere. Uh, to the left is a gift shop and cafe where you can get yourself a uh, patented weird burger that's not actually very weird. It's just super expensive. And has no meat in it. Exactly. Which is why it's weird. Exactly. Maybe it's weird that it has meat in it because it is Portland. There you go. Okay. Um, what's the name of the curator? The curator's name... Xavier Tangleforth. Is he around anywhere? Do I see him? Or is he kind of someone who keeps to the back? Uh, yeah, he is actually the one giving the lecture tour right now. Okay. I nonchalantly go up and join the tour. Okay. Listening to what he's saying. All right, yeah. He is actually currently pontificating on the advertised Tunguska event. Um... Trying to figure out what kind of accent this guy should have. Canadians. Can it, no. <laughs> Please? He sounds like Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters. You really want me to do that to you? SKC, I do. <laughs> the Tunguska event took place over Serbia in 1914. To this day, nobody is sure what caused the widespread destruction, only that a level tree area of more than 50 miles in diameter was suddenly flattened, all the leaves stripped from their trunks. No other damage was inflicted to the land or to the trees themselves. There were no bird marks, there was no impact crater, and to this day, no one has been able to identify the type of force that caused the incident. It did, however, make a light bright enough to read a newspaper by in London, where it was midnight at the time. There are no photographs of this because people in olden times were dumb and didn't care as much about exploring the mysteries of the universe as we do. This is one of the things that I hope to change in the future as we make weird history in the real world around us more accessible, more knowledgeable, and more a subject of interest and care to our founding fathers and senators who supply money to my museum. I give him applause. He accepts your applause. 
Thank you, everybody. Thank you. This has been my brief lecture on the Tunguska incident. If you want to look over there, we have some diagrams of what one local um, mural maker and uh, diagram, what's the word I'm looking for, dioramatist, thinks the trees might have looked like. Go take a look at that. I'm going to talk to this gentleman over here for perfectly legitimate above-board reasons. <laughs> the, uh, the crowd disperses, and he, uh, he ambles over you. Over to you. He does not amble over you. That would be weird. He doesn't know you that well. Um, he is dressed in a in an assortment of motley finery. Um, he's got on what is clearly a very high quality dinner jacket and a shirt underneath that uh, is for some band you've uh, either never heard of or forgotten entirely. Not not a not in a not in a hipster Portland way, but just in a he hasn't bought new clothes since 1977 kind of way. Um, his hair is disheveled. Uh, his glasses are smeared. I picture him kind of like Doctor Jacoby from Twin Peaks. Exactly. Yeah, except exactly what I was picturing. Except much less cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he ambles up to you. Hello there, random museum goer. It is wonderful of you to patronize my establishment on this fine evening. Come and weird about the learn about the weird history we got on offer here. Meet me in back in the usual place. It was lovely of you to come, but I've got to go direct to tour now. Bye. And he takes off toward a uh, a back room. All right. I uh, I I I don't go straight there. Sure. Uh, You're not I, a chump. I peruse the museum. I make it look like I'm. I'm browsing, and then I slowly make my way back to the back room. Yeah, you find some uh, you find some neat stuff. You learn about a uh, a study that was done on the pyramids that shows the the three main pyramids, the big ones at uh, at Gaza, actually line up with the stars in Orion's belt, but like three thousand years before they were built. And you see another thing about uh, the many deaths of Rasputin, the Mad Monk. And just a bunch of really, uh, really cool, weird history. So eventually you amble back to a not disused, but less emphasized section of the museum. Like, it's not as well lit, and the exhibits are kind of dusty. And eventually you come to a door that says, uh, Off Limits to Patrons. And there is a very imposing velvet rope blocking your path. I unhinge the velvet rope, go past it, and hinge it again. You are eaten by a dragon. Roll a new character. No. Um, you enter into a back room that is filled with the ephemera of a madman's collection who loves each and everything he finds, but knows he doesn't have the space to display all of it. There are jars full of weird floating objects you can't identify. There are posters for sideshow acts in languages you've never even seen before. There are masks and artifacts and uh, an ottoman that is strangely given its own space. Like this little footstool, there is there is nothing crowding up on that thing. Everything in this room is given it a wide berth for reasons that are definitely not obvious to you. But uh, towards the back of the room, you find that uh, that same man, that self same Xavier Tangleforth, uh, preparing a drink at a modest but well stocked bar. 
Good evening, Rowan. It's so kind of you to visit. May I offer you a beverage? Okay, drop the accent. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you mean. Listen, I know that you'd put that on for show, and you know who I am, and I'd rather not have to pretend with you. Yeah, well, the whole eccentric <laughs> intellectual thing, it plays very well with the Portlanders. <laughs> I, I, I wish you had that other accent again. No, I'm sorry, my friend. You get one accent switch per conversation. Okay. Zim's the rules, Rohan. How much do you know about Portland? Strange history. Landportlandia is a treasure trove of oddities, weirdnesses, coincidae, and other less quantifiable diversions from the day-to-day life that so many people take for granted, you know. I have, I have spent my life putting together a record as best I can of the strangeness that happens here. Ah, but you know, life, so much of it cannot be put down in books. So much of it, if it leaves any mark at all, is only on the inside. What do you know about the, what's the Preston family? <clears throat> oh, the Prestons. Yeah. He, uh, he, he adjusts something on his drink, puts a, puts a little tiny umbrella in there, and, and nods in satisfaction. The Prestons, if my memory serves, and as you well know, my memory nearly always serves, are a very old family here. The very first Preston, Theodore Preston I, he was not the first then, of course. He was just Theodore Preston. He did not think that his name needed numbers. Came to this land and started a lumber empire, but someone referred to as a dynasty. He hasn't been involved in anything on the strange side of town, to the best of my knowledge. Nothing... No strange incidents occurred with them, his family at all, in the past? Well, everyone who lives here, as I'm certain you know, is at some point touched by something that has a taste of the other about it. Uh, you can't get very far in this town without at least having a nodding relationship with the White Council, of course. But to the best of my knowledge, no one in his line has been directly involved in any occult wrongdoings. Why do you ask? What's going on? Why is this sudden interest in a humble lumber magnate, you mighty mercenary? Nothing that concerns you. Oh, but clearly it concerns you, and you are mine concern. What do you know about his son? Ah, yes, last of his line, the scion, Theodore Preston VI. He came in and did a sort of uh, work-study thing over the summer because he was failing his classes. It was uh, quite sad. He displayed no aptitude for weird history, only for giving half-hearted tours to pretty girls. Seemed like a fairly typical rich boy to me. How often did he spend time in your museum? Only for the summer. Only for the the work-study program he needed in order to pass his history class. Was he... Did he ever peruse any... I know you have a substantial archive of, <coughs> of things that aren't on display. He, uh, he, he nods gratefully at the substantial comment. 
Well, I tell you, I couldn't have my eye on him every second. I would hope he would know better than to pass an almighty velvet rope, but the possibility that he snuck into the archives and met with something he shouldn't have is not beyond comprehension. Uh, of course, I did not ever find him to be a pile of steaming goo on the ground, so it was fairly safe to conclude he had not come into contact with anything too dangerous or powerful. Just doesn't make sense to me. What doesn't? What aren't you telling me, Rowan, dear boy Liebling? Nothing I can tell you right now. You come here and you ply me for information, you don't even take a drink from my bar, and then you just make off into the night, leaving me wondering? That's not fair. Will it cost me for you to stop asking me questions? You take a drink when you spend a moment with me. I sigh deeply and take a drink with him. Sigh deeply, private eye. What would you like? What's your drink? Water. Water with grain alcohol? Water with scotch? Just water. water. All right, well, I suppose I could melt some ice. Just a moment. He uh, he melts some ice and uh, gives you a little a little snifter of tap water. He he leads you over to a uh, a pair of chairs that he has apparently set up specifically for this occasion. Uh, he sits you down. So, Juan, what's been going on, man? I'm on a case right now. Well, that sounds exciting. Trying to find someone. Well, it's a Preston boy, I guess. Um. Trying to get any information I can on him. Sure. Why? What's he done? Why is he on your radar? Nothing. Nothing too dangerous yet. Ooh. But yet. He was causing some trouble from my boss. Certainly, certainly. Well, you know, if you tell me the nature of this trouble, I might could take a look at my archives. And if anything matches up, I might be able to tell what he might have gotten his hands on. See, I don't know. I want to do like a. I want to roll to see if I can trust him, but this isn't Dungeons and Dragons. It super duper isn't, and that's fair. Um, let me take a look at your character sheet. Do 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 do. Rowan. Bubum. Caught between two worlds. Wizard hunter. Last son of the Spring Court. Okay, this is where your aspects would really come in handy. So let's take. A, have you got a copy of your sheet there? Magic. Okay, let's take a look at your sheet. How do you think uh, one of your aspects would apply? And I, I think it's safe to say that if anybody else has an idea about how any of his aspects could apply, you're more than welcome to shout out. I'm not sure. Okay, well, let's see. You've got Changeling Bounty Hunter. Now, Bounty Hunter is a big part of that. So you could invoke that and use your expertise as a bounty hunter, in which obviously you deal with a staggering range of people, to either decide that you can or cannot trust this okay, guy. So, and... so yeah, I'm gonna use that. Okay. Because I want to like, I want to know like, because he's obviously one of my contacts. He's familiar with me. Right. But is he is he a sketchy Dave kind of contact, or is he? A contact that I can fully put my trust in uh, without him mucking things up for me. Okay, very good. Yeah, well, that'll be uh, another fate point spent to invoke your high concept, bringing you down to one, I believe. There we go. Very good. Well, um, 
The thing about Xavier Tangleforth is that he loves the weird world. He is first and foremost an academic, a scholar of the weird. And his allegiances kind of lie to keeping the world weird. So he doesn't really have uh, a stake in anyone's particular vie for control or anything like that. I guess what 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 specific thing are you trying to figure out about him? Well, I don't want to, because the Prescott, the Preston family, uh, seems like they're highly influential in this yes city, and I don't want to start you know poking around their history, poking around their private business, sure, and letting letting someone know that could. Uh, eventually spill the beans to what I'm trying to do. Certainly. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to deal with that in character, because I think it'll be more fun and easier. Okay, so you can have expressed that to him, that you're... That you're why, why, don't you, why don't you go ahead and tell me what Rowan would say about that? Listen, listen, you know, I need your help on this. Yeah. But if I tell you... I want to make sure that, that none of what I tell you is going to go back to the Preston family. Oh, Rowan, dear boy. The Prestons have a great many fingers and a great many pies, but one thing they are not is patrons of the arts. They have no vested interest here in mine humble museum. And indeed, if not for the boy failing to have even a basic grasp of prep school history, I doubt if Preston would ever have set foot inside mine humble walls. Okay. I have reason to believe that the Preston boy is dabbling in some unsavory parts of magic. Ooh. Like what? Soul mind magics? Mind control. Mind control? Ugh. Yeah, that's just bad news. He uh, takes a little um, takes a little notepad out of his breast pocket, and uh, uh, a pencil actually shoots from inside the sleeve on his right hand, and he just makes a little makes a little note here. Okay. Well, thank you, dear boy. Was that so very hard? Is it so hard to trust me, Will, after all the times we've worked together? It's hard to trust anybody. Well, that's fair, and I find that very intriguing about you. So well done there. Um, I will cross-reference this. I will take a look at my archives, and if I see anything that I think is related to mind control magics, I will let you know directly, yeah? Okay. Would you care to leave me your number? I don't think I... Do I have a cell phone? I don't, that's, that's, that's you, buddy. Does Rowan have a cell phone? Uh, Yeah. Okay. I think I think he has a bunch of burners. Sure. And he goes through them like four or five a week. That makes sense. That, like that also his 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 self his burner budget has got to be huge. Yeah. Well, you can get like phones like they're not like iPhones. Well, no, I know. I guess I don't know how much disposable phones cost. You can get like a Nokia for a dollar. Really? Yeah, like the old ass Nokias. The old ass Nokias. Okay, very the good. Bricks, the one with snake on it. Sure. Okay, so you give uh, you give Xavier your number, and he uh, he jots it down on the thing, and as he as he puts his notepad back into his breast pocket, you actually get a text that says that says it's it's actually written in a German accent. <laughs> <laughs> it says, 
Hi there, buddy. Look forward to working with you. Winky face, winky face, up thumb, emoji of a man uh, swinging a golf club. I shake my head and leave the museum. Fair enough. All right, uh, Fiona and Byron. Yes. Your bus ride has been pleasant but uneventful. You have seen a cross-section of your beautiful city's night side. Uh, you've seen shops, you've seen galas, you've seen um, outdoor farmer's markets, probably. But if you've never been to a nocturnal farmer's market, they are wonderful, I assume. That does sound fun. That Yeah, that's a, that should, should be a thing. All the, all the bats really lend a work flair. <laughs> And eventually, the bus deposits you in a bus stop not too far from the hotel whose name I have forgotten. Westfield Carter. Westfield Carter Hotel. Uh, it's not too far away. Why don't you tell me about the like the part of town that the Westfield Carter is in? Uh, it's in a. It's in the the up it's it's on the west side it's in the the upscale side of town near the bay sure um the the piece of land that it's built on is a um it it it's on uh it's it's sort of at the top of a hill there's a a road that that goes past it um and and into the the heart of the city, and the the hotel itself kind of overlooks the 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 businesses at the bay and uh, and and the 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 upscale apartments and the 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 richer neighborhoods. Nice. Um, By rich people for rich people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Outstanding. What did you guys talk about on the bus? Um, I had a lovely conversation with Diane. Sure, how's she doing? She's doing pretty good. How are those night classes going? Is she keeping up? Yeah, she is. She's uh, well on her way to a bachelor's degree in library sciences. Oh man, she is going to rock that. I know, right? I know. Is she? <laughs> does she still have dental hygienist as her fallback? Yeah, but she. I think she's. she's really... Really gearing for this library sciences thing. Well, yeah, I mean, a fallback's a fallback for a reason. It's not, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely. She's confident, though. I think she's got, to, I think that her nimble, dexterous fingers will be a great help to that, no, ma- no matter what, really. Oh, definitely. What about you, Byron? What did you, what did you do all the way there? Uh, I sat staring out the window. <laughs> Fair enough. As uh, is the Byron way. Only sort of vaguely paying attention to Fiona as she talked to the raccoon. Sure. And every once in a while, looking over and going, this is a, this is easily one of the strangest bus rides I've had in the city, and that is saying something. Says the man who followed a raccoon onto a public bus. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. Fair enough. I imagine Byron family road trips were very quiet. <laughs> no, everybody else in the family is, is very uh, extroverted and, uh, and, and outgoing. Fair enough. Black sheep. There yeah. we go. Okay, so Dylan is my favorite metric song. So you enter what? the Westfield Carter Hotel. 
It is lovely. There is a fountain in the foyer uh, with pictures of leaping fish and frogs. There are actually four stone frog statues uh, facing outward on the rim of the fountain. The water burbles pleasantly, although the uh, the sting of chlorine does invade your nostrils, but it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a large, pleasant desk in the front where a concierge is uh, doing some work. There are other services available. There is a massage parlor off to one side. One side leads to the hotel's other amenities like the golf course and the you know the pool and sauna and stuff like that there. I'm going to go up to the, the the front desk, and I ring the bell and just stare directly at the concierge. Fair enough. Uh, he is scribbling furiously in a ledger. Uh, he clearly hears the ding, clearly mm-hmm. notices you staring, and just continues to scribble for, for another, oh, we'll say five seconds or so. It's incredibly awkward for him. Yeah, but he's pretending real hard that it's not. And I, I'm just staring daggers at this man. Absolutely. Uh, finally, I'm in the background making funny faces at him. <laughs> <laughs> like a Buckingham Palace guard. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, some some little kids are uh, wandering around the hotel lobby uh, looking for their parents. So the man behind the counter looks up. Oh, 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 hello, Mr. Byron. How lovely to see you again. I'm sorry, I just <laughs> noticed you there. Jeffrey. Yes, sir. You always notice me. Oh, you know best, sir. You're the customer. Whatever you say goes. What can I do for you and your lovely companion on this fine evening? We're heading to the top floor. Oh, very good. Well, you, sir, of course, are welcome any time. Uh, your friend there... Must be vetted, of course. I'm afraid we don't know her. Hello? Hi! Hi! Hi there! How are you? Hello? He he makes uh, incredibly prissy little waving motions with just his fingers, not his whole hand. You know yeah. the kind. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And he says, hi there! Oh my, don't you look interesting. Yes, so this is a place for important people, and I understand that you're here with Mr. Byron, and that makes you an important person by proxy. So, <laughs> I'm going to make... Go ahead. Glaring at this guy with everything I've got now. Oh, your horn rims are lovely. So I'm going to make you up a guest pass. And he, he goes over to, uh, to a little lamination machine and just, uh, goes, just goes at it with the, with the vim and vigor of a man who truly lives for bureaucratic office work. God. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Joshua. He's the man. <laughs> Uh, he comes back with a badge that somehow has your picture on it. And he says, here, go ahead and please, please keep that. No, clip that, clip that to your clothes, please. Please clip that to your clothes, miss. I eat it. You, okay, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll write, I'll, I'll give you that one, miss. You caught me off guard. He goes back <coughs> and he, and he, and he makes another one and, uh, he brings it back, and this time the picture is clearly from a security camera. <laughs> <laughs> he 
He says, okay, all right, uh, eat your badge once, shame on me. <laughs> anyway, so we here at the Westfield Carter Hotel try to maintain a, uh, oh, it sounds so rigid to say standard, but um, a certain type of person frequents our establishment, and we try to maintain an atmosphere conducive to that sort of person. Yeah, so if you, could, if you could just restrain... So what you're telling me is that you're a racist. Okay. I'm saying if you could just he he reaches out and does a uh, just like like a wiggling motion at you. If you could just restrain all of this while you're here, that would be great. Jeffrey. Yeah. Mr. Byron. How dare you insult a guest of the White Council? Yeah, how dare you? Mr. I'm Byron. Most. I am certain you understand I am only looking out for the best interests of the noble establishment it is my privilege to be employed by. And, of course, anything she breaks, steals, or eats once more will go on your tab. Fine. Okay. Well, here's your gift basket. He he hands you, Fiona, a little tiny, like, welcome package that's got, like, bath beads and a miniature umbrella that you're never going to use. Stuff like that. <laughs> He says, okay, well, Mr. Byron, you know the way. If there's anything else I can do for you, you know where to find me. Okay, bye-bye. It was lovely to meet you. Okay, thanks. Thanks for coming. Okay, bye-bye. And he just goes just goes back to his ledger. I turn to Fiona and I say, I'm sorry. And then I just walk to the, to the elevators. That's fine. Okay, as you walk through the, uh, through the lobby of the hotel, which is truly massive... Uh, you encounter a number of other uh, staff, bellhops, busboys, other words that don't start with B. Maybe one of the masseuses. <laughs> maybe one of the masseuses on a break or something like that. That's and, and everybody, everybody else seems pretty cool. Nobody else uh, gives you the business like uh, Jeffrey Joshua does. Old JJ and uh, Solomon, tell me about how one enters the, uh, shall we say, the exclusive area of the Westfield Carter. There is a, underneath all of the the buttons that the, the elevator has, just as for, for standard full, there sure. is a small, uh, there's a keyhole inlaid into the, the, the wall of the elevator. Nice. Um, and from a vest pocket, I produce a very small key which goes into the keyhole, and I turn it, and a, a compartment slides out uh, with the five additional floors. Ooh. The controller buttons. Sure. Uh, slide out in, in this little drawer thing. And so I hit the button for the top floor and push the drawer back in to the wall, and the elevator immediately closes and starts moving. Fantastic. Uh, this... I'm sorry, Jackie, go ahead. I just said fancy. It is fancy. Uh, this key, is it on a ring? Was it just in his pocket? Uh, so this this key is, like, imagine the this old style, like, you would see this in a castle, and it opens a sure. big wooden door. Like a skeleton key. Yes, but it's yeah, very... Like it's, like it's it, got, like, three teeth. Yes, but it's very small. The size of... Uh, so like, of of a, a key to a music box. Okay, so it's like a key that Joan of Arc would use on her luggage. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, like a l- luggage key, but tiny. Yes. I don't know. Never, never mind. You that, know what I'm saying. So 
that that is the image of this key. Okay, fantastic. That's a good key. You do your fancy key whatnot. The elevator begins to rise, bringing you up into the upper echelon of the Westfield Carter Hotels. And as the elevator rises, we will bring this episode, sadly, to a close. Oh, man! I know, I know. I'm a monster like that, in addition to all the other ways in which we have established I am monstrous. So... Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, loyal listeners. I know there's at least one of you, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Shannon. Uh, Hi, Shannon. Let's all give a there's, shout out to Shannon. Hi, Shannon. There's at least two people on Reddit that are enjoying our convert, our 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 well, podcast. Exactly. They enjoyed at least one episode. Exactly. We don't know if they came back. And you know what? I'll take it. So, <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone who has listened this far. Thank you, all of our supporters, everybody who's liked our Facebook page, Semi-Auto Magic Inc., everybody who has uh, followed us at Semi-Auto Magi on Twitter. And if you want to get a hold of us on the tweet space individually, you will find me, Casey, at uh, at Hotel Theotokos. And all of our various informations are on the website. They are, so there's no reason for me to just keep putting addresses out there. In any event, uh, until next time, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll see what's at the top of the Westfield Carter Hotel. Probably a dragon going to eat them all. Yep. Yes. Yes. Rocks fall, we all die. Exactly. The end. It's, it's just space. And you suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, they got the magic elevator wrong, and it just... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just jettisons us into space. It sounds, <laughs> like, it sounds like the White Council, honestly. Exactly. And, uh, and Jeffrey Joshua gets a promotion. Yep. Damn it. Yep, he's the worst. I don't worst. want you to succeed. <laughs> he's the Jeremy Jam of this hotel. Yeah. All right, everybody. Um, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on Semi-Auto Magic, Inc. Bye.